Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for Off the Walls comes from Janice Henderson Investors, celebrating more than 89 years of helping clients with their financial goals. Janice Henderson, investing in a brighter future together. Janice Henderson. Support for Off the Walls comes from Credit Union of Colorado, offering a 15-month certificate of deposit with a 5.85% return. Learn more at cuofco.org slash cd. Credit Union of Colorado is banking members can trust. In May of 2020, the world responded to the murder of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis Police Department. Major cities across the country, including Denver, erupted in protests and community activism. It took outrage outside this building to change minds inside. It had to take something happening to another black man in another state for anything to happen here in Colorado. Americans all over the country were talking about police brutality and what we're going to do about it. It was a conversation decades in the making. Lindsay Minter, an activist who played a critical role in the Black Lives Matter movement in Denver, remembers how the community responded to George Floyd's murder. George Floyd happened and masses of people were upset. There was a visual of George Floyd getting yeah. murdered. Yeah. Um, and people just felt like they couldn't stay inside the house, that they had to come out and do something. Artists from all over the world were moved to mark this moment of America's racial reckoning. Murals depicting images and messages of the Black Lives Matter movement were popping up in the streets of New York, L.A., Washington, D.C., and Minneapolis. Denver followed in the footsteps of other cities by commissioning their own mural. And when Denver did create a Black Lives Matter mural, it was only temporary. When I was asked to do it, uh, I was like, okay, this is an opportunity. Because, like, I can I can let this be, you know, the empty gesture mm-hmm. that, that it could very easily become. Or I could change it. I can transform it. Denver Arts and Venues, a city and county agency, commissioned artist Adri Norris to create a Black Lives Matter mural. But even though she'd been asked to paint the mural, it was hard for her voice to be heard. And so, you know, like I I pushed back a lot. They tried to change my design several times within the very brief time period in which we had to create this thing. The summer of 2020 seemed like the beginning of something special. And these two women were determined to represent this moment of American history right in the heart of Denver. Standing in their way were institutional barriers. We have a lot of institutionalized racism Mm -hmm. where in other places you see You know, whether or not you're welcomed or not. Here, you can walk in and people can smile on your face and you'll Mm. never know that it was calling you slurs in the background as soon as you left. The issue of race and police reform is not new. All across the United States, 
people of color have continued to fight for equity and human rights. What's different about Denver is that the street art here doesn't recognize the Black struggle. When you visit New York or L.A. or Philadelphia, they all have street art of George Floyd. But in Denver, not so much. Why don't we have murals depicting the social justice and police reform movement of 2020? And what does that say to the Black community in Denver? This is Off the Walls, a podcast from Denverite and Colorado Public Radio about the stories and the people behind Denver's street art. I'm Kibway Cooper. And I'm Emily Williams. Throughout this show, we've brought you stories about people who challenged the status quo using art. This time, we'll take a look at the significance of the Black Lives Matter movement in the Denver metro area. As a backdrop to this episode, Colorado is watching as criminal trials are underway this fall for the police officers and paramedics involved in the death of Elijah McClain. Several of those trials have ended in acquittals. We'll say more about Elijah McClain later in this episode. With all this going on, it highlights that the streets of Denver and the surrounding cities do not have much in the way of public artwork acknowledging the human rights battle that took place here in 2020. Why is that? And what does it say about the culture in Denver? Emily, I'm curious, what were you doing the summer of 2020? So the summer of 2020, I was living in South Carolina at the time and working at a newspaper and doing a lot of reporting, doing a lot of coverage. We were always covering either protests that were happening or everything related to COVID. Mm, um, yeah. It was a moment of constant news, right? Especially working in daily news. Do you remember um, kind of how it affected you? I think one of the things as a journalist and being a reporter at the time is we talk about being removed from what's happening, right? But I think a lot of times then you think, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't feel emotionally connected mm-hmm. to something or, or have thoughts about something. And I think that was a big moment for a lot of people of just, you can't not have emotions and feelings about it. Mm-hmm. You just can't. In the spring of 2020, I watched from my couch in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as the global pandemic rocked the United States, nearly crippling our healthcare systems. And if you were Black like me, you also got a front row seat as Black Americans faced yet another flashpoint in our long and painful history of police brutality in the U.S. On May 31st, the fight for racial justice hit the streets of Denver with a force. To get the full story, I sat down with Lindsay Minter, an activist and Black Lives Matter organizer, to ask her how she experienced the social justice movement of 2020. When you meet Lindsay, you're immediately struck by her size. She's a really soft-spoken, small woman whose smile lights up any room. But don't be fooled by that gentle demeanor. When she talks, everyone listens. For Lindsay, the protests of May 2020 
were not the beginning. She began organizing major protests in the fall of 2019 after the death of Elijah McClain. This was nine months before George Floyd's murder. Lindsay says it took George Floyd's murder to shine a light on Elijah McClain's tragic death. People were so ready to come out their houses for something that happened in a different state. But it was so monumental, mm-hmm. it caused nationwide outrage. Mm-hmm. And so went to a couple George um, Floyd protests that were, you know, just normal. And then I went to one and there was a press conference before it. They're doing the press conference and stuff about George Floyd and how the daytime protests were supposed to be important. Don't just look at the nighttime Mm. agitators. Lindsay pushed back against the narrative that protesters weren't genuine. She also pushed back on protesters who refused to fight for justice for all. So then a reporter, a random reporter was like, ma'am, do you have anything to say? And I was like, say his name, Elijah McClain, you know, and then people started saying it with me. And I was like, you know, he died here in Colorado. We need to focus on him in Colorado. Lindsay realized that the nation's response to the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis would be fleeting and that any opportunity to address police brutality on a national level had to begin locally with Elijah McClain. But. That didn't go over well with some of the other protesters. In fact, one person told Lindsay she was trying to piggyback her own interests off another black man's death. And I was so hurt. But after that, people were like, oh, you know, because it aired on the news. You know, it wasn't like our reach wasn't far enough. Mm -hmm. And his name got out there and we were saying his name along with George Floyd and you know, everybody else that we were saying their names. Aurora's own Elijah McClain, like George Floyd, was detained by police using excessive force. Aurora police placed Elijah in a carotid chokehold after a 911 caller said they saw someone being suspicious. At the scene, paramedics injected Elijah with ketamine, a powerful sedative commonly used on horses. Elijah McClain fell into a coma and later died as a result of his injuries and the ketamine injection. The long weekend brought more demonstrations calling for justice for Elijah McClain. Meanwhile, three Aurora police officers were fired. Two of them were dismissed for taking selfies at McClain's memorial site. Will Carter lives in the neighborhood next to Elijah McClain's. All black lives matter, but when it happens close to home, you know, it hits a little different. So I think, you know, the fact that people see that something like that could happen here in our own city, I think that's going to touch a lot of people differently. In their fight for justice, Lindsay and other protesters suffered violent threats from counter-protest groups and severe injuries from the Denver Police Department. You led a peaceful protest. Yes. And um, you were reciting some words from Asada Shakur. What were they? It is my duty to fight for freedom. It is my duty to win. We must love and respect and honor each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Denver police presence agitated this peaceful protest group. 
That's when everything changed. Half of the protesters were afraid, and the other half were just plain mad. So I'm, like, coming over here to disperse this crowd over here. And somehow I found the words in there to get them to kind of take it from the, oh, no, there's going to be some real bad stuff happening drama, just to the, oh, we're angry drama. As the police marched forward towards the protesters, Lindsay stepped in between these two groups who were expressing their pain in very different ways. One group raising their voices in anger and the other standing their ground in peaceful protest. But then things took a turn for the worst. I heard somebody say, it is your duty to get hit. And I turned around and they were shooting you know, uh, rubber things and um, smoke and tear gas at the the group that was calm and then raised their level. People were getting hit in their face and their faces were being split open and stuff like that. And I don't know, something, it like repelled off of something or bounced off the ground and it hit my face. And I was like, what was that? You know, I'm in the middle of a protest, and later on in my lawsuit, they were like, well, if you had picked up what hit you, or if you had been on video, we would be able to pay you a different settlement. You know, they they gave me the same as somebody who's pepper sprayed, and I literally lost a tooth. Um, But that's okay. The protests that Lindsay and other activists organized generated national attention and created momentum around the conversation of police reform. Black mural artist Thomas Evans, a.k.a. Detour, was compelled to give the community something to hold on to in this moment of pain and quickly painted two murals during the summer of 2020. He painted an image of George Floyd on the wall of an employment agency on East Colfax and a mural of Elijah McClain on the back of the Epic Brewing Company on 30th and Walnut Street. The combination of artists and activists were defining a new narrative around the conversation of police brutality, and they were determined to be heard. Adri Norris, you'll remember her from the beginning of this episode, she knew she had to get involved. After seeing images of Denver police using rubber bullets on protesters, she was too angry to stay on the sidelines. George Floyd has been murdered. The protests are coming down. Um, and D.C. has had, you know, their their mayor's commission, their Black Lives Matter mural. And it was such a beautiful flex. Like, I loved it. I loved everything about, you know, their choice to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Denver's like, oh, let's do one. And part of me was like, y'all, really? We're doing Black Lives Matter. Remember this time. Denver Arts and Venues commissioned Adri to create the Black Lives Matter mural on the road of Lincoln Street in downtown Denver. She was reasonably skeptical of their motives. We've been here before. We've been through a pandemic before, technically two if you count the AIDS crisis, which people seem not to want to count. Um, You know, we've been through protests over civil rights before, all the way back since before the abolition of slavery, that people have been, you know, taking to the streets. People have been agitating for, you know, the rights of Black people. We need to talk about it. Like, we've seen all of that before. Adri was determined to show how history repeats itself. And on her design of the Black Lives Matter mural, she had these words. Remember this time. 
So when I put in those words, remember this time, it meant two things. Like, first off, can we remember that this is the, that we're all going through this. This is happening to all of us, right? And so like, you know, this national discourse, this international pause, right? This global pause that we we're all on. Like we were, we were all dealing with that and it gave us the ability to look around and get mad. Yeah. So remember how mad we were, right? So can this time, please, can we carry this story forward and actually remember it and actually take the lessons from it? Adri faced significant challenges when creating the temporary Black Lives Matter street mural. The city closed down a section of Broadway and all traffic was rerouted. But she only had a day to complete it. And she had a full-on battle with Denver officials to keep her design intact. I think remember the time is so significant, and I wanted to ask you how you arrived at that um, at the verbiage for that. I'm curious about the controversy that you experienced while you're creating this design. Um, and I'm assuming you had to get it approved. What was that process like? And what was some of the pushback that you were receiving? Some folks wanted it to just simply be the words Black Lives Matter and to leave it at that. Uh, there was a push to put the Denver flag on it somewhere. And I'm like, that's not a pretty flag, yo. Uh, the Colorado flag, amazing. The Denver flag, terrible. Um, apologies <laughs> to anybody who loves it, but that's how I feel. And like, I had to, I had to fight for it. I, I had to write a whole poem um, you know, which I am not a poet, but you know, these, this kind of how the words came out in this sort of cadence, basically explaining like the historical aspect of it, um, from like what we've been through before and how we got to where we are now, all the way up to just the list and names of people that we had lost in such recent times. I'm like, how is this acceptable? Adri fought to keep her vision of the Black Lives Matter street mural. And the movement was spreading. Denver's street art was alive with murals and messages of social justice. Detour had completed his murals of George Floyd and Elijah McClain, and change was in the air. After the break, we'll learn what happened to these three murals. Hey, it's Kibway. I wanted to let you know about a collaboration we're doing with Apple Maps. It's a guided tour of the murals and special places you've heard about in the show. To check it out, go to apple.co slash off the walls. You'll find a guide to some of the coolest public art in Colorado and photos of the murals we talk about in Off the Walls. That's apple.co slash off the walls. In June of 2020, Adri Norris created a Black Lives Matter mural on Broadway, not far from the Capitol building. But not all Denver officials were supportive. These are all bureaucrats. They don't they don't know from art. They know they want a thing and they have a sense of what they think that thing should look like. Um, but yeah, no, I had to fight for it. And I, I won that. I didn't win permanence. What I wanted was permanence. I wanted that to be done in some permanent paint. Despite the challenges, Adri Norris and her collaborator, Pat Milberry, pushed through. 
I would say that as far as bringing it to fruition, I will give a lot of credit to him and his street team because I had no experience whatsoever. I couldn't even have told you where to begin. Um, this dude, he managed to get us the city to give us a um, a boom lift, mm-hmm. you know, one of those big basket cherry picker joints. Yeah. Uh, put a, a projector onto okay. the outside of the boom lift to point down at the street had communication from up there and to down here to make sure that the things were lining up, you know, and we did it like one to two letters at a time. It's like, you know, it took 20 minutes to line up the first set of letters using like big rulers and, you know, like straight edges and stuff like that. And then once that first one was lined up, then, you know, four of us with spray cans, you know, went, painted the outline real quick you know, and then waited another 20 minutes while the next two letters were lined up, you know, yeah. so the whole process to get it onto the street. Wow. And yeah. then, so that was, and we had to do it, um, you know, after 10 PM, we had to block off one of the street lights because in order for the projector to work, you need as little ambient light as possible. So yeah, we had to block off one of the street lights, uh, wrap some paper around that, you know, to make it a bit darker. So we didn't finish until like three o'clock in the morning. Adri knew that this was an important mural, not just for her as an artist, but for the community. And the community came out in the hundreds to help put the final touches on the mural. And so, you know, we wrap up around, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning, go home, get a little rest, get back by seven, seven thirty in the morning. We have all our equipment. We have all the extender poles that we're using because um, we had, you know, put out the word to get volunteers to come through and help us paint. Uh, and they were they came out in droves, you know, like mid pandemic. We got a good 100, 150, 200 people to come through. Yeah. Um, so we gave them all ro- rollers and marching orders. Be like, look, this goes this color, that goes that color, that goes that color. Here you are. Um, stay in the lines, you know, and they banged it out. Like, I think they had three coats in that thing by noon. The turnout from the community was significant, and so was the media coverage. So different things were happening also, right? So like, you know, the city being that they put it on, they brought the press in. And so Mm -hmm. I actually did very little painting myself. Volunteers did the vast majority of it because I've been interviewed all day. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, every news outlet um, from TV, uh, papers, magazines, like, you know, a couple podcasts, like I'm radio, like I'm being interviewed by everybody. And like, I kind of hit a certain point where like, there was somebody who wanted me to say a specific thing. And so I got mad. So I hit a certain point where, you know, I realized that we're on coat number three and I took a break from the interviews. I was like, you can catch me later. Um, And I was like, everybody off. Um, I need everybody who identifies as Black, Indigenous, or people of color to come forward. And I want you to take this white paint and I want you to use it to indicate for us your experience of dealing with white supremacy in America. And we had people dipping their feet in paint. We had people putting their handprints on it. We had people flinging paint around. We had people like just rolling, like whatever it was that they needed to do. And so like, if you were to look at a close up of that mural and like really zoom in, you're gonna see footprints all over the place. You're gonna see handprints all over the place. The Black Lives Matter street mural was a huge success. But still, this was only a temporary mural. And in just a few weeks, the image faded and disappeared due to traffic and pedestrian use. Adri knew that the street mural wouldn't last, but 
She hoped that the experience of creating the mural would create comfort and a lasting impression on Denverites fighting against police brutality and systemic oppression. It was an impermanent thing. But it's also kind of a testament to how we view history. You know, like all of these things happen. You only really learn about some of it because it's all dependent on what stories we choose to tell. You know, I've said this over and over again. As much as we are in this age of information, we have access to so much stuff. I mean, we've got a computer in our pockets, almost every last one of us. And so, like, we can look stuff up whenever and however we want. We are still creatures of the oral tradition. If you don't know what story exists in the world, you won't look it up. You know, if we don't speak these stories aloud, you're not going to remember it. And so it's the same reason why whenever Black History Month rolls around, we talk about the same five, six people Mm -hmm. every year for decades. And there's this whole, you know, thousands of others who go unnamed because we've only taken it upon ourselves to speak the names of those five or six. I asked Denver Arts and Venues about their reason for making the Black Lives Matter mural temporary, and they said... There's just no way to take care of a street mural uh, and make it permanent unless the road is closed. So that road was, I believe it was Lincoln. There's absolutely no way that was going to remain permanent. Michael Chavez, the program manager for the Denver Arts and Venues, remembers the city's response. They wanted to make a bold statement. My recollection is, you know, it was a no-brainer from the city of Denver that we we were standing in solidarity with the movement and solidarity with other cities that supported that. So I felt proud at that moment that that at least the city of Denver stepped up in that way. Um, it was complicated, of course, but it was yeah, it was a really tough, really really tough summer. But that statement didn't last. When the Black Lives Matter mural was erased, there were only a few murals left. George Floyd and Elijah McClain. And all of these murals were painted with the consent of the owner of the building. I think to clarify, the the murals that you described are were done on private property. You know, those murals didn't really come through our office. When murals are done on private property that we're not funding, the only way we review them is through a zoning process, which describes, is is it art or is it signage? And we're not involved in the creation of that artwork. Um, we're just kind of helping the property owner get through their zoning permit, you know, to right. say like, yes, this is this is a work of art. It's not signage for my business. You know, we, we, the city, don't have any purview over those private entities. That's up to the property owner and the artist, uh, not, the, not the city itself. While it was great to see these murals in the moment, it was clear that Denver residents wanted something more permanent. Colorado has so much culture in it, good food, good people, good organizations. But the system of Colorado, the the government of Colorado, the people running, you know, Colorado and the majority are constantly in a fight to erase the blemishes in their record and the blemishes of their past, which is why they don't want us to have permanent things. That's why they yeah. tore down Detour's um, Elijah McClain mural. Yeah. That's why the one, um, we had a Breonna Taylor memorial at one point in time. We had a Colin Kaepernick mural, and that was the one that got defaced first. 
Wow. That one was defaced within 24 hours of it going up. So wow. I don't even think the paint was dry. Wow. So um, we had them. Yeah. Um, we were, our store, our city was looking like the story was being told about all of the things. Having those murals defaced was yet another sad realization that not everyone agrees on issues of race and policing. By August, the Elijah McClain mural had been painted over, and the George Floyd mural was tagged with the words, Fentanyl Floyd. Detour restored the mural, only to have it defaced for a second time, this time with yellow paint thrown across the face of George Floyd. Detour went on to paint one more mural recognizing Breonna Taylor, but it was clear that the change folks were fighting for was meeting a lot of resistance in Denver. These murals of Black Americans who fight for justice for all or who themselves were murdered unjustly seem to have no place in Denver. For Lindsay, these murals being defaced was hard for her. She remembers... Murals were popping up. And so it was a thing. You know, go see the mural. Take a picture of the mural. So we have memory. I think we kind of, in in the back of our minds, we were thinking, you know, get it while it's hot. Get Mm. it while it's good. Get it while it's existing. But I was proud that, you know, these artists were coming out and they were capturing our feelings. They were putting our words onto buildings. You know, they were doing so much. Because I went out and took pictures next to the Black Lives Matter mural. I took pictures next to the Colin Kaepernick mural. Um, I didn't go take a picture next to the Elijah McClain mural because that was just so impactful to my heart. Lindsay says what's most frustrating about the situation is the lack of acknowledgement for Elijah McClain's death. There's no monument for the community to grieve and remember. We think of the 60s as a civil rights movement, right? And all of the historical things that happened during mm-hmm. those times in the 60s and the 70s and those leaders that emerged, the, the Martin Luther Kings, the um, Malcolm X's, you know, the Huey P. Newtons, like all of the diversity of the people. Fred Hamptons. Yeah, you know, like all of the people that were leaders during that time. I also think of 2020 as a civil rights movement that this many years later, we're still fighting for our civil rights. We're fighting for the right to live, which is the biggest right, you know? Um, And to have it documented, um, it made me proud that our city was remembering this time. Mm. The fact that they were removed, Mm. it's like, okay, let's forget this time Mm. in Colorado. Let's erase this time in Colorado. We don't want to remember this time in Colorado. It, it It's painful, but while they were there, you know, people were lining up to take pictures. Kids were taking pictures. Kids were, you know, maybe they weren't allowed to go to the protest, but they could go to the mural and take a yeah. picture. Yeah. They could learn about these people. Yeah. You know, they could write their papers in school. It was all about having safe places for, you know, people of color in school and, you know, all of that stuff. And black kids um, having spaces. And I think that them not having those spaces has, you know, impacted youth violence. These kids are angry about how they're treated by society. Absolutely. They have nowhere to go to reflect. And when you try to erase a culture, you create anger. 
Lindsay's frustrations are shared throughout the Black community in Denver. Even those who may not be in the fight feel the sting of the systemic injustice facing Black and Brown Americans in Denver. Being a Black man, I feel like at the time it was very empowering to see everybody come together like that. Um, In the back of my mind, though, I would be lying if I didn't say that I felt like this was just a now thing. That tends to be how things happen, um, not only in society, but I feel like in Denver uh, specifically. Everybody was so in the now then that we weren't really thinking about the future. This is Devin Brown, the store manager for the local streetwear shop called Be A Good Person. These are his thoughts as a non-activist on the effects of 2020 and the lasting impression it left on Black Denverites. How do you feel about the fact that there are not any murals to commemorate these huge national events or cases like, you know, Elijah McClain, like George Floyd? I think it does a a disservice to the community, um, the Black community specifically. Um, It kind of, it feels like a kind of just a shrug. like going to my point that I said before, it just kind of felt like a now thing. It's nothing that we haven't seen before, you know? Um, So not surprised. Today in 2023, the only surviving mural that reflects the Black Lives Matter movement is a mural of Breonna Taylor, a black woman who was killed by police during a no-knock warrant at the wrong address in Louisville, Kentucky. So Emily and I, went to see it there she is there she is we're standing in front of the brianna taylor mural it is on the side of revzilla i don't even know where to start with this i think it's so egregious what happened to her it's hard for me to look at this mural without some frustration coming up because the way that she passed was so utterly unnecessary. And I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but it just, yeah. So when you look at the Breonna Taylor mural, the first thing that you see or that your eyes are drawn to are her eyes, are these very deep brown eyes um, in this mural of her face. And there are red roses on either side of her face um, with a little greenery in there as well. And um, her face just looks so somber, I think is the word I'm looking for. It looks like something you might see on an obituary. And uh, that's kind of how I feel when I look at this mural. What are your thoughts, Emily? Yeah, I think with the roses, it does make you think of... And her face is is framed by the roses on all sides. That is what it makes you think of, of a... of a funeral. And it is a memorial to her. I think the way that the portrait is done It's really beautiful. Like you said, your eyes, your eyes go to her eyes right away. Yeah. It's like she's watching you watching the mural. 
Um, she's looking right at you. So, yeah, it's a beautiful mural. I'm so grateful that we have it. It's a super important time in the United States. Draws some really uh, much needed attention to some some things we got to do better at, some things we need to change. And so I'm glad that it's here. I wish there were more. I started this episode with the question, what does it say about the culture of Denver that there's very little public art that recognizes the significance of the Black Lives Matter movement in Denver? I believe especially in this moment, the lack of recognition for Elijah McClain's death and the shortage of images depicting black and brown history suggests that African-American struggles can be easily forgotten. But here's the good news. After speaking with Michael Chavez from Denver Arts and Venues, I think there's still hope to see the birth of new Black Lives Matter murals in Denver. He told me in our interview that all the community has to do is follow the public art proposal process. It's truly up to individual communities, you know, micro communities. It's up to artists, it's up to activists, it's up to those that want to organize. And we're, we're here, you know, we're here to support it. You know, all communities, whatever they want as a creative expression, uh, we're here to help. Looking back through this series, I noticed something. Emily, there seems to be like a through line between Emmanuel's uh, origins of how La Alma got started, Babe Walls, these communities are consistently ignored or erased or not given the space to fully represent themselves and their story. Um, And I'm curious if you're noticing that too. I've totally noticed that too. And it's interesting. It feels like we kind of gravitated towards some stories where you're right. That's, that's the case that these are some people artists or or artists who are representing communities that feel like they weren't being heard. But up until this point, I guess it's been more of an ending of, but they pushed through, right? right? Emmanuel getting started with his, with the community mural movement. We heard about all of the challenges of that. And David, his mural was painted over. And yeah. also with Babe Walls, you know, they found, they found success. They found other people wanted what, what they were creating. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be another Babe Walls next year. But with this, I feel like we have a different ending and it's more of, okay, we don't have much left from a few years ago. So I don't know. Maybe the question is, will there be anything in the future to kind of change the mm. ending of this one? Mm. That's really, really good. That's so, so, so good. Denver's Black Lives Matter movement of 2020 shined a light on the challenges of law enforcement. It was a reminder that the community is watching and they demand better. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get it. You can find the Breonna Taylor mural on 2845 Walnut Street in Denver, Colorado. You can see photos of the mural on CPR.org. There's a link in the show notes. If you're interested in creating a mural, 
Visit denverpublicart.org slash murals to formally submit your public art proposal to the team at Denver Arts and Venues. This is the final episode of this season of Off the Walls. We feature guests like Emmanuel Martinez, Grow Love, and Fatima Dickerson. We hope you go out and see these murals yourself. We worked with Apple Maps to create a guide to all of the murals we talked about in the show, plus some others connected to these stories. You can find that guide at apple.co slash off the walls. We're the hosts of Off the Walls. I'm Kidboy Cooper. And I'm Emily Williams. This episode was written, reported, and mixed by Kidboy Cooper. Our editor is Joe Erickson. Brad Turner is our executive producer. Off the Walls is a production of Denverite and Colorado Public Radio, part of the NPR Network. Support for Off the Walls comes from Janice Henderson Investors, celebrating more than 89 years of helping clients with their financial goals. Janice Henderson, investing in a brighter future together. JaniceHenderson.com Support for Off the Walls comes from Credit Union of Colorado, offering a new Visa Signature credit card with 2% cashback rewards on all purchases. Credit Union of Colorado is banking members can trust. More at cuofco.org signature. Hey, it's Kibway. I wanted to let you know about a collaboration we're doing with Apple Maps. It's a guided tour of the murals and special places you've heard about in the show. To check it out, go to apple.co slash off the walls. You'll find a guide to some of the coolest public art in Colorado and photos of the murals we talk about in Off the Walls. That's apple.co slash off the walls.